How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam session. Today's guest is Eric Burkhart, who's a senior national sales director with over 16 years of healthcare industry experience and over 12 years of leadership experience. Eric, welcome to the Jam session. What's up, Rob? Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great having you on the show. And I'm really excited to dive into this discussion because I think your leadership journey, your journey just in general, it's pretty cool, especially how you got started. So just to give some context, because I think this will be even more impactful when you start talking about your journey. So how many people are you responsible for now? Now in my direct organization, I have uh, roughly 200, 220 that I'm responsible for. Wow. All right. It's a pretty big organization. A lot of responsibility. All right. So let's go back to the beginning. and. You can kind of share how you got started, how you jumped into the healthcare industry as well. My journey, like a lot of people back in that time, the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, there weren't a lot of doors open. It was not an easy industry to get in. So I was an athlete in college and I was blessed to to have a, a really good career that exposed me to a lot of great teams and things of that nature. Then I'll speak to that a little bit longer, but I share that because when my career ended, I graduated, I had to figure out something to do. I was, I'm all in, I have bills to pay. And obviously with outdoors in the pharmaceutical industry, I had to do a little soul searching on what was important to me. And I just loved health and fitness coming out of that athletic world, sports training back in the late nineties too, is when the gym business was really hot. And I had been a member at Gold's Gym for years and was like, okay, well, I think I'm, I'm going to follow my passion. I'm going to go train people and help people live their fullest lives. And so I went and applied, got the job and quickly learned I wasn't hired to train. I was there to sell, sell memberships. And I had to do it quick too, because started out back in those days, $600 a month plus commission. So basically living on my own, 600 wasn't going too far. So I had to learn how to sell pretty quickly and didn't know that I would even really enjoy something like that. But I caught on. Some of the best sales training I ever had was in the health and fitness industry um, through a lot of different systems and so forth. Needs-based selling, really understanding what the buyers were looking for and correlating your product to meet that. It was really, really cool. And during that time, I learned I love sales and I love helping people. And it was a a great career. I spent about seven years and just absolutely loved it. I had the opportunity to meet my wife, start my family, and that kind of got me on the second chapter. As I learned about sales and and that passion there, I'd had aspirations to get into pharma and went for several interviews, put my application out annually, I felt like, you know, at various times. And just never got a lot of response. But then, like I said, I met my wife and uh, started a family and it got a little bit more serious in terms of, okay, it's it's time to pursue another avenue. And uh, I was blessed, man. Just one day out of the blue, a buddy of mine from the gym came up to me. He's like, I've known you for a while. I feel like you could be doing so much more. You look like you need a change. I know you just got married. I'm in pharmaceuticals. Have you ever considered that? And I was like, have I? You know, it's every year for the last five, I've been trying to position my way in and just can't get a nibble. And 
he said, well, listen, you know, I don't have any uh, available spots now, but as soon as I do, I'll let you know. And that was on a Monday. I'll never forget because it was around my birthday. And uh, on Wednesday, he calls me and he's like, hey, remember that conversation? I need you to be at an interview up in Atlanta tomorrow morning around nine o'clock. I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? It's like, get your resume and your best suit on. I'm like, well, I don't have a suit. He's like, well, that's a problem. You need to go find one. So, you know, spent the afternoon suit shopping, found something that would work and showed up at nine o'clock the next morning. And by Friday, I was a farm suit sales rep, man. And I was wow. just so pumped. I mean, it was like a dream job for me. And I had security for my family. Yeah. So you know, it's been a, it's been a pretty much a blessing. I think it's such a cool story. That's why I had you provide that context of you know, what you're responsible for now and like that humbling beginnings, right? Where you started from. I think the important thing here to highlight is it took you five years to get in, but it sounds like you never really quit on the path that way. You, you were pretty determined. Like I said, I'm, I, I'm always kind of a person that does some soul searching when you're making decisions about life. And I think that soul search gets broader when you have more lives that you're accountable for, whether it be personal or professional. I was taught growing up, if you do what you love, you'll never have a day of work in your life kind of mm -hmm. things. I, I'm one that tries to marry my passion and personality with, with my professional aspirations. Healthcare seemed like that logical fit. I learned quickly sales aligned to my competitive background, right? The harder I went at it, the more I worked the better I was, the more I could earn. And that, I mean, I love that kind of independent autonomy. And then to marry that with the fact that I'm doing it and people are having life-changing experience because of it, to me, it's very gratifying and fulfilling and it it's very soothing in that yeah. way. I think it's important because people like you and, and there are others out there that appreciate the journey. And don't take things for granted. And when talking to you, I know your goal was to then become a manager. And even there, you were hit with some obstacles that you had to overcome, but you still were able to persevere. I didn't always know I wanted to be a leader. I'd always been a leader in different yeah. forms and facets throughout my athletic career. And I, I led teams within health clubs, but small teams of four or five people, but responsible for broader staffs and things like that. But sales commercial leadership that's a whole different game and i saw quickly right when i got in how leaders were operating the ability to coach and affect people to really go beyond what they thought was possible and achieve you know some pretty extraordinary things just it it just overtook me in, in a way and uh, yeah I, I learned pretty quickly like that's what i want to do and when i got in i thought i was making good headway right what do you, what's the first thing you need to do to get to the next level well you need to prove you can do the one that you're at that you got a capacity and agility to do a little bit more and that you're hungry enough to go get it so i immediately went into that mode all right Got to show I can sell. If I want to lead salespeople, I need to show I can do it first. I had a couple of good years. And when I first came in to the industry, got on some leadership development tracks, like all of us, that was when things started to shift in pharma. And I, I had to make some changes and I shifted organizations from where I initially started, like a lot of people do. I mean, when I got into the organization I'm in now, I, again, I, I knew I needed to reprove myself at the very ground level, right? So I did. I had a really good year, went for a couple leadership jobs and was told I'll never be a leader in this organization as is today. And that really put me on pause. Um, 
very grateful for the feedback because I don't know if I would have been here, but I've always been the kind of person that tries to get beyond the cover of the book and cast my judgments and opinions based on the substance behind it. What I mean by that is I didn't put enough emphasis on the image I was projecting. I thought my work would speak for itself. And while I think that's critical for anyone, especially leaders, I learned that image is also important because I'm an N of one, so I'm appeasing myself. But as a leader, you're responsible for inspiring and rallying the masses, right? And my individual doesn't necessarily reflect that of all. And I needed to neutralize that a little bit more. So I needed to make some changes. So let's talk about this a little bit. I think this is an important point. I think a pivotal moment in in your career. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned here as well. And I remember when you and I first met, I was facilitating one of the Unmerging Leaders program in your organization. And I was in front of the room and then I I think I was done doing whatever I was doing. I came back to the room, sat down and I met you and I I forget how it came up, but there was some group discussion with participants and, and you jumped in and you shared a little bit of the story, how you got feedback that it might've stung a little bit in the beginning, but it was feedback you needed. And it was really important for the participants in the room to hear that. Because here you are, where you are positioned down in your organization, and and again, demonstrating that humility of sharing your story about how you got some feedback. It did sting a little bit, right? Well, yeah, I mean, anytime you've done good hard work and then you're told it's not going to happen for you, I think, yeah, of course, of course it's sting, yeah. but... But it's like, I mean, that's just life. And I go back to my athletic career and I I was blessed to play on some great teams at high levels. And you learn a lot through those adversities and building those teams and achieving. And not every at bat, you're going to hit home runs. There's going to be a lot of errors made. And it's about resiliency. Setbacks are always going to occur. It's how you take a minute to learn overcome and move forward. And that's exactly what I did. I appreciated that feedback. I contested it. And I I did so in a way by saying, let me show you. If you want me to do something, the best thing you can do is tell me I can't do it, especially if it's something I really want to do, like be a leader. And I, I, I went out and saw feedback from others. Hey, this is the, this is what was told to me. I need to understand a little bit more why and went to my peers and went to other leaders and got that feedback in terms of, hey, when you show up, be cognizant of how you're presenting yourself. Be cognizant of the words and, and, and the things that you're using and, and the constant gear. You're super energetic, tons of passion, high levels of drive. That's going to fall on a lot of people the right way, but it's not on everyone. And you got to figure out how to balance that in order to appease to more people. Otherwise, we could put you in a leadership situation, but you're never going to get the followership that you're looking for to establish that dynasty you keep telling us you want to build here for us. Like you said, the, the, it was probably the most valuable piece of feedback that I could have ever gotten to help me get to where I am today. Because what it's done is it's constantly made me check myself on that. I have a great leader today as I've kind of elevated in more to executive roles who has really taught me every quarter you really need to do like an inventory of a few things, how you're investing your time, right? The impact and effect that you're having, strategies and, and you know, the, some of the more typical things. But that conversation 
always puts me in check with, am I doing the right things I knew need to do to set the right tone with my people? I think that's a great approach, taking an inventory. We evolve where we come across new tasks, new skills, and none of us are perfect. I always talk about how, you know, leading is a lifelong journey of learning. Constantly. Yeah. I think it's important to highlight a couple things. First is those emerging leaders, they walked away understanding that while initially when you get some feedback, it might sting, but over time, as long as you approach it the right way, you see the value of yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and what I also picked up on the second thing is you said you went through a few interviews and were told you were never going to be a manager, but eventually yep. one person took the time and had the courage to actually tell you why. Yeah. My manager, after I think the second round of no, I was frustrated and I guess I was considered a value to the organization and I had potential, I had some good potential. And so he did what a good leader would do. He helped answer some of my frustration. He went and sought the, the reasons why and collected that feedback. And then I know it wasn't easy for him. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, to come back and tell me that's what was holding me back, but he did. I'm very grateful for it. I, I give him a ton of credit every time I talk about my ability to transcend. It started with him and having that courage to come tell a top performer that they're not great all the time and they got some blind sides that they need to be aware of if they want to really transcend and do the things that they say they want to do. And I think that's an important lesson. What starts on Obviously, what I my, my core tenet in leadership is built on trust. You can't be a successful and effective leader of anyone if you don't have established trust. I also believe you can't be successful without vulnerability and humility, too, right? Those things are go hand in hand. And I don't know if it's my upbringing, but I was just never made to believe everything I did all the time was the best, that there was always opportunities to learn, grow, and improve. And it's like you say, the, the inventory piece, in terms of having to stop and assess, or is what you're doing right? Have you determined the right place to allocate resource and time? Are your people focused in the right areas and messages? I mean, it's so dynamic. So there's just been this massive shift in not only what's needed to be successful at any level, but then leadership has to kind of comprehend all of this and figure out a completely different way to evaluate because we've also morphed into this high era of individualization. It's always been there. We were always taught, right? Sit, lead, tailor your approach and this sort of thing, but it's gotten to just a different degree. Throw the pandemic on there. You got a whole nother, you know, level of complexities that add variability. So it's a tough gig, but it all is deeply rooted back to what we talked about, that foundation to get through whatever adversities there are, overcome any opportunities there are, and drive progression because that's the other side. There's no company or leader I know today that doesn't have a progressive forecast that doesn't allow complacency. So it's, you know, as tough as it is, the environment's so fast-paced, we got to be better every week than we were the, the one before. Exactly. And there was something you said that I think was important, just going back to the, the trust. When you're giving feedback, where is it coming from, right? The intent behind it. I know there's a, a lot of leaders out there who shy away sometimes from giving feedback, like even in that scenario, high performer, if I, if I share this, the why behind it, are they going to become demotivated? Are they going to leave? And yet, I view that as by not sharing that, it's more of a selfish approach. At the end of the day, 
you're thinking more about yourself and trying to retain your top performer versus sharing the feedback that could enhance and change the trajectory of their path. And I get it. A lot of managers do struggle sometimes with, with demotivating or even thinking they may lose trust. Well, it, it, that's the whole assumption theory. We know yeah. what they about assumptions. And I think that's important. And, and I see it all the time. Look, I made the same pitfalls early on in my career. And, and, and what I learned really quickly was that performance in our industry is, is highly varied. You can see massive shifts in rankings and things like that quarter over quarter because the markets are so dynamic. I learned personally in my career, you've got to put performance in where someone is in the moment in their own bucket. And the question I started learning to ask myself was, can I bet they're going to be better than they are today in three to six months Mm. based on what I'm seeing in those other critical areas of the role, execution, how people are showing up in front of the customer, allocating their time, managing their resource, all those other compounds and variables, because that's where I see us getting challenged. And we make the assumption top performer is going to be demoralized if we go in and say, look, you're doing great today, but there's opportunities that number one, give me concern on sustainability. And number two, that could help you throttle to the next level of where you're trying to go. But I, I, I think that oftentimes we, we go, oh, they're high flying. We don't want to knock it down. But what I found eight times out of 10, at some point during the year, it's going to come back and out some way. And typically it's the worst time, right? Because FCRs and field coaching reports, those are snapshots in time where people really start to get hurt or on like mid-year and annual ratings. And that's typically where it shows it's a harder conversation for a leader at that moment to go, we were aligned, but you had this big drop. Now you're below expectations at mid-year. I mean, that's just puts them in a very uncompromising position. And what I find it comes back to is it's not trust. Usually the trust piece is there. To me, it comes back more to vision and shared expectations. And and that's why I think that's so critical up front when you're establishing that team, that you're taking the time to align on those things. What does that look like as a team and a collective unit? What do we need to do to define that? And I I like to ask the question in terms of when our senior leaders and executives are talking about this team behind closed doors, what do you want them to say? And it's always X. How do we show up and do that? That's going to make a difference. I I think it's highly applicable. But once you get that shared commitment, Mm -hmm. then you just lead to it. I don't say manage. I say lead to it. And, And if people aren't there, that's fine. They all agreed on that. They could be here in performance, but if they're here in execution, I would bet that's going to flip-flop at some point pretty quickly. And then you're going to be in a compromising place. But if you're managing that and you're giving them this feedback and they're making incremental progress, well, this isn't going to happen. This is going to happen. The elevation, not the decline. And that's where I just think top performers want more feedback than lower performers. So true. And uh, it's it's so interesting how we shift that mindset a lot of times and thinking we're going to do more harm than good. To me, it's it's to the hardest retention is is your top, and and it's hard to stay in the top. But your top twenty percent, those are the ones that we've got to continue to challenge and hold accountable because I do believe they're looking for it. They've been used to it. They want that push. You know? Yeah. Well, talking about a push, let's kind of 
talk a little bit here about what you're focusing on now, right? With the management team and what you're trying to focus on with them and your teams. Uh, a couple of places I've been really focused on with my leaders are number one, like we were talking about earlier in terms of putting performance in its box and really having a, a shared alignment on vision and expectation. So I think that's something that we've been really focused on, on how do we want to be defined and what's it going to take to get there and what commitments can we make each week to hold ourselves accountable to those things. But then those are only as good as the coaching and pull through that you're getting from your leadership. I read a lot of FCRs. I've written a lot and I've read a lot. And, um, and know, FCRs, just for those out there that may not know, these are field coaching reports where managers go out and when they're observing their sales reps and they're providing them with feedback on how they performed. And I've been doing a lot of FCR reading, especially during this time, because I know the leaders uh, have been more challenged than ever before to hold people more accountable in different areas. But from reading those FCRs, I saw a couple of things that I've really been drilled down on in my leaders. Number one, the sales job's a big job and there's a lot that goes into it. So in order to be the most effective coaches, we really have to go in with a macro lens and look at things broad spectrum, not transactional and just what's happening in front of customers, but more so some of these other drivers. It's hardcore. There's a lot that goes in. So we've got to really take a more macro look at all these different components that can lead to increased engagement. Most leaders do an excellent job at identifying what is going on. They are locked into what's happening. Someone is not executing the call plan. Someone is not closing in front of their customer. And I think that's the first question when you're coaching and diagnosing that you always have to answer. What is the current situation? Where I saw our coaching fall a little bit short was really getting into that second level of questioning on the why. We initiated this program, Chase the Why. So anytime you, you identify what, what's your problem solver, solving whys, you become leaders and inspires, and you can really get people to do some amazing things. And it also shows a different level of trust, authenticity, genuineness, I believe, when you really take that time to understand that true barrier. I love the whole approach, chase the why. It does kind of put you in a little bit of a different mindset, doesn't it? It's like it forces managers to go a little bit deeper. That's what we sign on to do. Look, my job as a leader, how I see it, is I am here to inspire people to go beyond what they think and believe is possible to achieve some impossible things for some remarkable patients. That's what I feel when I sign the contract. That's what I'm doing. Regardless of what's going on, I have to adapt to the situation, continuously challenge myself out of comfort zones to adapt my approach to this and understand that there's no static or systemic approach to leadership. Well, your journey in itself basically just speaks to the the definition of adaptability and evolution <laughs> and right. Just to kind of sum up, your journey is, is a fantastic journey, but it, it was one of of also having the discipline, the perseverance, the willingness to adapt, but also getting the right guidance along the way as well, which you can clearly, as you talk and hear, even how you're approaching your people today is still with that same approach of helping them progress, building that trust with them, coaching your managers on how they can lead their people better. Those are the things that make me happy, building high performing teams, developing leaders. And I'm not going to stop until I 
to reach the top of that. I think it's a great way to summarize everything we just discussed. I know there's a lot of folks out there listening. They're walking away with a lot of great tips, a lot of inspiration as well. I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I was looking forward to this discussion and well, coming on and, and sharing your journey. It's, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity, man. Like I said, I love talking about leadership. It's just so fascinating and such a critical role. Hopefully uh, there are a few nuggets shared today that can help someone on their journey and you know where to find me. So if I can ever be a you or any of your listeners, I'm always happy to, to lend a hand. Appreciate it, Eric. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.